today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Solomon is saying that with an increase, it's not an increase of joy necessarily. It says in verse 7, all man's efforts are for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. What he's doing is he's going back and saying, if you eat today, are you hungry tomorrow? Okay, if you have dinner today, are you hungry for dinner tomorrow night? Well, yeah. You're always eating. And that's the way it is with wealth. That's the way it is with money. You have some and you want more. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. These days we have a bad habit of associating money with happiness. We think that all of our problems will go away if we could come into a large amount of money. Pastor Ed tells us today that Solomon was incredibly wealthy. And even so, money could not make him happy. Instead, he found money to be an insatiable appetite that led to greed and oppression. He again finds that only through God is there satisfaction. Seek God for satisfaction, and you'll not be left wanting. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Money Can't Buy You Happiness. chapter 5 of the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 10 of chapter 5. Whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Doesn't that sound contemporary? Doesn't that sound like that's today? That's now. Well, God's word is a timeless truth that passes through changing seasons and generations and centuries. Let's pray. Father, speak to us through your word. May it be powerful light and life to help us to live lives of satisfaction. May we live a life a satisfying life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We live in a culture of consumerism that says you have to have this, you have to have that, you have to have more in order to enjoy the journey. It's a culture that says satisfaction comes with accumulation, with possessions. Now, there was a book written by James Peterson and Peter Kim. Uh, It was titled, The Day America Told the Truth. And they took a poll of people, and one of the polls they took was, What would you do for $10 million? Well, what would you do for $10 million? Now, in this poll, there were 25% of the people said 
that they would leave their families for $10 million. Now, it's interesting, they went down from $10 million all the way down to two, and the answers pretty much stayed the same until under $2 million. So 25% will leave our families. Then you had 23% said that they would engage in prostitution for a week or more. 16% said they would leave their spouses. 10% said that they would hold a testimony and let a murderer go free. And the one that's scary especially is 7% said they would kill a stranger. Wow. Money, consumerism, materialism has impacted our culture. Not just adults, but children as well. They asked sixth grade children. No, not any from FCA. But they asked sixth grade children, if you had one wish, what would you wish for? The great majority of them said, money. One boy said that he would wish for $5 million and two days in the mall. (laughs) This hunger, this desire for wealth is just permeating our culture. And one of the men, and he should know what he was saying, he was credited with saying, money can't buy you happiness. Now, we don't know if he was the first one to say it, but he's credited with saying it. Money can't buy you happiness. Now, he should know, because in 1976, when he died at the age of 67, he had two and a half billion dollars. He was the richest American at that time in the United States. He had a fleet of jets. He owned casinos. But his biographers tell us that he died in emaciated mental and emotional wreck. His six foot four frame had gone down to 120 pounds. And when he died, people weren't interested in claiming his body. Eventually, a relative was contacted and they took care of claiming his body. You know what his name was? Say it again. Howard Hughes, that's right. He had everything that you could have, but yet he wasn't really satisfied, content, happy. Now, a name that most everybody knows is Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca, uh, he was a legendary car maker who saved Chrysler. He wrote in his autobiography, Here I am in the twilight years of my life, still wondering what it is all about. I can tell you this, fame and fortune is for the birds. Solomon centuries earlier, understood that wealth, money, possessions, 
can't satisfy you. And, and he's going to focus on in this text the pursuit of wealth. When he says, the pursuit of wealth will never satisfy you. Verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Now, he approaches it in a strange way. In verses 8 and 9, he takes you into the halls of government. He gives you a tour. And he shows you how the power of greed impacts a whole community, a whole state, a province, a land. Well, listen to his words. Reading from the New Living Translation, you see that political systems break down because of the love of money. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. For every official is under orders from higher up. And matters of justice get lost in the red tape of bureaucracy. The king milks the land for his own profit. What he's saying is this. Inherent in our fallen nature is greed. And when we give way to greed, it corrupts systems. We look at our country, we look at our nation, and you could look at the political, social systems, and you could see the corruption and the poor, the needy, so often don't get the services they need. It's nothing new. As a nation, as a people, move further and further away from biblical principles and world values, what you see is the mechanics of a government begin to break down. Think about it. Here you have a political system and supposed to produce justice, supposed to care for the needy, help the poor. What do we call those who work for the government? Public servants. They don't act like this. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying in general. And what he's saying here is what happens is people begin to cover each other. They're more concerned about their bonus. They're more concerned about uh, just covering their backs and covering other people's backs. And, And so what it is is injustice settles in and oppression covers the land and people lose out and the poor come out at the short end of the stick. It becomes, instead of a service, it becomes self-serving, an institution that just grows on itself rather than helping. So Solomon is showing us that when you love money and you put money first... It hurts political systems, whether uh, you're here in the States or you're in Europe or wherever you may be, if you're in Solomon's time. And then what he does is he, he gets more personal. He's looking at the larger picture. He begins there, and then he gets really, really personal, and he tells us that lives 
individuals' lives are ruined because of the love of money. The text says in verse 10 to 11, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? Now, let's look at that text. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Rockefeller said, was asked, how much money do you need to be satisfied? He said, well, a little bit more. That's our attitude. Well, another raise, another bonus. I don't have enough. It, 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 we're never satisfied. That's the nature of money. When we put money first, it creates a thirst for more. When we put money before everything else, it creates in us a hunger to have more and to have more and to have more. That's what Solomon is saying. He he says, we're never satisfied. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. Think about it. You get a raise and you say, good, I will get a new car. You get a bonus, I'm going to spend it on that stereo. Or I'm going to get that new technology. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Let's get a bigger house. So what happens is the more you have, the higher your taxes. The more you have, the more you spend. And win the lottery and the distant relatives come out of the woodwork. He's recognizing that the and he says the only benefits they are to the owner except to feast his eyes on them. So as good as increase, you look, okay, I got this pool, I got this new deck, I have this car, I have this and that. But inside, in here, it doesn't mean you're satisfied. The point that he is making is that the lust for things... The pursuit of wealth will never underline it, circle it, bold it, satisfy. It it just can't do it. Uh, Look at verse 12. It says, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man doesn't permit him sleep, permits him no sleep. Think about what he's saying. You know, the old proverbial, when we were poor, you know, you, you had an apartment, you had macaroni and cheese, you drove around in an old car, but you said, oh, we were happy. Then you get things, and more things, and more things, and then you, you know, I'm not going to park there, they're going to scratch my new car. You know. And you begin to worry about this and you begin to worry about that and, 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 and you lose your sleep over it. Boy, did I invest in the right place? Is Dow Jones going to go down? You know, you, you, you begin to think about all of these different things. They crowd in and you begin to worry and you lose sleep over it. What if identity theft? Yeah, yeah, I got to think about that. I'll lose all I've invested. Solomon is saying that 
with an increase. It's not an increase of joy necessarily. It says in verse 7, all man's efforts are for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. What he's doing is he's going back and saying, if you eat today, are you hungry tomorrow? Okay, if you have dinner today, are you hungry for dinner tomorrow night? Well, yeah. You're always eating. And that's the way it is with wealth. That's the way it is with money. You have some and you want more. You have some and you want more. You just keep on consuming And so Solomon is making this observation, and he knows what he's talking about, because he is the richest man of his times. I mean, he had money. He had an ivory throne, and he overlaid it with gold. I don't know why you would do that. That ivory throne, I'd leave it just the way it is. I mean, at his house, you didn't get silverware, because silver in Jerusalem at that time was, was just common as stone. You had gold. Gold plates, gold forks, spoons. He just, he had it all. And he knows what he's talking about. He's saying, it doesn't satisfy. Hollywood promotes, oh, have this, have that. You know, just, it's going to satisfy you. It doesn't. And Solomon tells us this. He says in verse 9 of chapter 6, and I like the New Revised Standard, it says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind. What he's saying here is sort of like when we say, A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Don't let your desires just carry you away. Well, if I had this, or if I had that, well, honey, look at this house. Well, look at this. Boy, this is some deal here. You just go through the catalog. It doesn't satisfy. No matter what our culture wants us to believe. They say they put all sorts of price tags and said, you're going to enjoy it. Well, I know. I know. We really don't believe Solomon. We really think that money would satisfy us. Our lifestyles say that to us, the way we live as a people. And he goes on to say, okay, wait a minute. Here's the tragedy of those who pursue money to find satisfaction. Here's the tragedy. They will not enjoy life. The tragedy of not enjoying life. Verse 3 of chapter 6. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, it does not receive and does not receive proper burial. I say a stillborn child is better off than he. Now he's talking about some cultural things. It was important for Jewish people to have a, a proper burial. It was considered a blessing to have many children and to live a long life. And later on in chapter 6, he says, if you live... Longer than Methuselah. Methuselah lived 960 some odd years. Well, if you live double Methuselah, you live 2,000 years. And you have 100 children. And you don't enjoy it. They'd be better off never living. Wow. Better off never being born. That's what Solomon says. Now, he's going to talk about it in detail in, in, throughout this area, these texts. Wealth can be useless or lost, verses 13 to 14. 
I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there's nothing left for him. Now, as I unpack that, what he's saying is this. There are those who hoard it. They're going to save money. They're going to keep it in the bank, and they don't spend it. They don't use it. No, 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 we're not going to use that. Keep on saving, keep on saving, keep on saving. What he's saying is, they're not even able to enjoy it to use it for anything. Their greed keeps them from enjoying what they have. How many of you know people with money packed away, just there in the bank, or there in some investment? And he's saying, they don't realize that they've lost the capacity to enjoy the wealth. And then he goes a step further and he says this. Uh, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner. You know, the person saving coupons and using coupons. Uh, nothing's wrong with coupons. But, they, they, you know, they, they're just stingy. They're not spending anything. Just hoarding everything there. So it's no use. It's like they never had it. And then he said, on. Or wealth lost through some misfortune. Something happens. Suddenly the stock market goes down. There's an illness. And the insurance doesn't cover it. How many of you know people? Save, save, save. And they've accumulated wealth. And then they just give it to the nursing home. How many have a, a dollar bill. If you have a dollar bill, would you just take it out? No, I'm not going to take an offering. Don't worry. <laughs> just take a dollar bill out. I want you to take it out for a second. I want you to turn to the back of the dollar bill. Look at the right side of the dollar bill inside that circle. Now, what do you see? On the right side of the dollar bill inside the circle. What do you see? Okay. Let me read a verse to you. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. (laughs) That's what happens. It just goes. It's gone. It disappears. And you've been hoarding it or you've been saving it. And Solomon is saying... Don't be foolish. Don't hoard it. Don't, uh, you don't know if you're going to have it. And then he goes on to say, wealth will be hollow, empty. I've seen another evil under sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor. That sounds pretty good. And remember, who got that? Solomon. Remember, Solomon had a dream and God came to him in the dream and he asked for wisdom to lead the people and God was pleased with him and he said, besides that wisdom, I'm going to give you wealth and honor and I'm going to bless your house and, and, and Solomon's blessed. So he's talking really at a personal experience here. He says, so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. Now notice this, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. A stranger enjoys him instead. This is meaningless and a grievous evil. 
We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith as Dr. Ed Jones shares truth and wisdom from the book of Ecclesiastes. We pray that you've been encouraged by today's message and that you desire to seek God's will for your own life. Following God is an adventure, but it's filled with the freedom that grace provides and blessings beyond compare. Would you like to know more about having a relationship with God? We'd love to tell you more. Please give us a call at 845-462-5955 and let us share how Jesus has changed our lives. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the activities for your family at Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And we'd be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent in fellowship with other believers, learning more about our Savior and praising Him for all He's done for us. Give us a call for more information. Our number again is 845-462-5955. We hope today's message has blessed you and that no matter what's happening in your life right now, you're tuning into Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues his study in Ecclesiastes. Your word